Live from Dubai, this is The Drive Home with Rebecca Ricketts. Good afternoon and welcome to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, coming to you live from Dubai. Tonight I am joined by Collab UAE founders Andy Price and Thomas Sale, both teachers in Dubai, to discuss why collaborative practice is key and teaching in the UAE. Join in the conversation by calling or texting in. Live from Dubai, this is The Drive Home with Rebecca Ricketts on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's show. Although I imagine many of you won't be driving as people should be well into their holidays now. Unlike us in the UAE who returned back to school today. Um, it does actually feel like a lifetime since I was last here on Teachers Talk Radio with competitions going on here in the UAE, parents' evenings, interviews, it's been non-stop. And then I spent my spring break going back to the UK. But it feels absolutely wonderful to be back. And I am really excited because what a show to come back with. My first ever double interview. And I'll be joined very, very soon with the hashtag Collab UAE co-founders, Tom and Andy, who will be joining me very shortly. Um, first of all, today, we're going to be talking about teaching in the UAE, a topic that I have covered before, but one that I do always really enjoy speaking to people about. Um, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I do speak very passionately about having the opportunity to teach overseas, but, and I tweeted this last week, um, I've really found the struggle to be real this time, having been home for the spring break. Um, leaving my family was particularly hard this time, and it's definitely taken a few days to readjust, to get myself back into the swing of things of Dubai life. Um, and I do have to say, because I do talk a lot about the positives, and we will be talking about the peaks and the pitfalls in today's show. Um, but I do think that is probably, for me anyway, one of the hardest things about working away from home. Because both places do completely capture your heart. You know, as soon as you go home, you see your friends, you see your family, you get very quickly back into what I would call my old life. Um, very, very comfortably, very, very quickly. Um, and you feel very settled very quickly and it's always quite difficult to leave. Um, but having said that, I always find it really difficult to leave Dubai as well. I'm always thinking, oh, what am I going to miss? And, you know, all the things that happen here. So it is one of those things where you've kind of got your heart in two places. But I just, I can't complain because I just feel so fortunate. I think after the last two years that we've had, that travel is now so accessible. So I mean, the fact that I was even able to get home is a complete bonus. Um, but yeah, I did find that particularly challenging um, my last few days of the spring break last week. So like I mentioned, we are back to school today in the UAE. But another perk, another one of the peaks, is the fact that we are actually back on Ramadan hours. So the school days are slightly shorter to support the students who are fasting. Um, so this morning wasn't quite the usual trauma that I'm hoping that none, none of you have actually suffered today because you've all been enjoying your holidays if you're in the UK. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely no trauma with the 5.30am alarm, which um, I think I could quite happily live with every week, to be perfectly honest. Um, 
Anyway, getting back to tonight, because I said that's the first thing we're going to be talking about in the UAE, and I don't want to digress too much. Um, the second thing, and probably really importantly tonight, we're going to be talking about is collaborative practice and how this is the key to our success as educators, no matter where we are based. Um, and I really could not be living by that mantra more right now, to be honest. And I have to give a huge shout out to our very own, our very wonderful um, Freya Odell, who is developing, I'm sure if you've been keeping up on Twitter, I'm sure she's talked about it here, developing an amazing set of books that are entitled Key Stage 3, The Wasted Years, Not On Our Watch. Now, when Freya started tweeting about the concept, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant project and I thought it was a totally amazing idea. And basically, there are so many people with so many different teaching and learning experiences coming together to build what I can only imagine is going to be an epic text. It's going to be massive. And it's going to be filled with chapters on every aspect of building a key stage three curriculum from design and the enrichment, writing, whole school literacy. I mean, the list really does go on. It's really, really quite phenomenal to see. And I am beyond excited to be a part of such a fantastic project. Um, I'm very, very honoured to be leading the chapter that focuses on reading, which again, if you've listened to the show before, you know is a huge teaching passion of mine. So I can't start to wait. Start. I can't wait. There we go. That's better. I can't wait to start working um, with other educators in the group to put together all of our ideas. We actually have our first meeting this week um, and we're going to be discussing how we're going to put the chapter together and what it's actually going to look like. So it's going to be a very, very exciting project. It's certainly going to keep me out of mischief for the next few weeks. Anyway, here I am talking about how much I love to collaborate and I've got two people waiting to join the conversation today to talk just about that. That's Andy and Tom, who are the founders of Collab UAE. Um, so I'm just going to go and play the news. I'm going to play the ads. I'm not going to talk too much at the start today because I think we've got enough to be talking about when I get them on the show. So they will be with me after this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. 
With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding, and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out. Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. With many schools across England and Wales now on holiday for Easter, or with a break imminent, The Guardian is reporting that many GCSE and A-level students are being advised to begin revising in earnest. Experienced teachers and education experts alike are making the recommendations so students avoid exam stress. Across the UK, close to 2 million teenagers will be preparing for exams with students in England and Wales and Northern Ireland, sitting their first papers on May 16th. Many teachers already know that the secret to reducing stress is good preparation and that a little bit of stress during the break might well avoid super stress in the future. The article features comments from Daisy Christodoulou, former teacher and the Director of Education at No More Marking. Christodoulou recommends revision strategies such as self-quizzing rather than rereading and highlighting notes and advised that revision for each subject or topic be spaced over days rather than crammed into one. But the advice also focused on leaving time for rest, relaxation and getting a good night's sleep as these activities also help retain information in long-term memory. A new north-south divide is highlighted in the Manchester Evening News. It focuses on newly released government data, which shows that there are eight parliamentary constituencies where there are no schools or sixth-form colleges, state or private, offering A-levels, with all but two in the north of England. An MP in one of the affected areas said it was unacceptable to not have a sixth-form in her constituency. In Bolton West, one of the eight areas on the list, local Tory MP Chris Green said that having gone to a secondary school with a sixth form, I'm quite surprised by the number of schools without one. According to the Northern Powerhouse Partnership Lobbying Group, the Greater Manchester Borough of Bury has not a single school with a sixth form, though it does have two further education providers offering other post-16 qualifications. Former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield said, it's shocking that some children are growing up in areas of the country where there is no provision for them to study A-levels, and doubly shocking that so many of them are in the North. As part of the government's recent levelling up white paper to tackle regional inequalities, 55 so-called education cold spots, many of which are in the North, 
will get extra investment. Struggling schools would be offered more support and new selective sixth form colleges created. But Northern Powerhouse Partnership Director Henry Murison said the selective sixth forms aren't the answer to problems. A story on the Mirror Group newspaper website focuses on talks to introduce a new GCSE, which will focus on the environment and sustainability. School Standards Minister Robin Walker said talks were underway with Exam Board OCR, with a view to introducing the course. He stated, The department is exploring proposals for a new GCSE in natural history. This is after a range of campaigners expressed concern about how subjects such as climate change, sustainability and environmental protection are being taught in primary and secondary schools. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week you may find you have a bit of time on your hands, so why don't you learn a new skill? I'm talking learning to code. There's loads of ways to get started for free. Check out Scratch from MIT, a block-based programming language. There's tutorials and a huge community of people who share their work. Imagine if your next presentation to the pupils was done through a game. The limit is only your imagination. If you want to get a bit more serious and you have a child to drag along with you, take a look at the Astro Pi Challenge. There's Mission Zero, spend an hour and program a Raspberry Pi in the International Space Station and get a certificate of where and when uh, yours, um, uh, the, the pupils code ran. If you want to get really involved, check out Mission Space Lab where you need to invest a bit more time, but there's also some free kit for school involved. Do you just want some me time? Then look no further than EduBlocks or Trinket. These browser-based editors come with tutorials to get you going. Their tutorials help you cross over from blocks to text-based coding. If you want to be supported in coding, why not join me for an introduction to Python on May the 4th, 4 to 5 p.m. I'm going to teach an introduction to Python coding in Trinket. Any Teacher Talk radio listener can come for free. Details of how to join will follow shortly. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome back to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, where I should be joined now by Andy Price and Tom Sale, the co-founders of Collab UAE. Are you both with us? Evening. Good evening. Good evening, Rebecca. <laughs> How Hi. are you both? <laughs> Yeah, very well, thank you. How was, first, how was first day back at school? Uh, a very quiet drive into work this morning and a lovely time to finish early as well. It's definitely, as I mentioned at the start of the show, those lovely Ramadan hours, they're definitely easing us back in, aren't they? So here we are, after my first ever double interview. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for talking to me about two things that I think are going to be really, really interesting for the listeners today. Um, I'm going to direct questions to both of you, and then we'll just chat and see where we go. So the first thing is, I'll start with you, Andy. Could you please introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and tell people about your career to date? Sure, absolutely no problem. Um, my name is Andy Price. I've been teaching 21 years now. Uh, nine of those were in Hampshire in the UK, um, held various positions there and um, got promoted up to acting head teacher when I decided to move to the UAE and as I came across as a class teacher. Um, a bit of a strange um, scenario within the first week I was promoted to SLT 
Um, I was looking forward to a, an easier time of fitting into the class, but I was uh, offered SLT as soon as I came across. Um, in a brand new school, there was about 120 pupils at the school when I joined. Um, and then within the year was promoted to the head of primary and the school grew to over a thousand students in the seven years that I was in position there. And then I suppose I took a radical decision. I chose to move back into a classroom teacher role, really due to my love of ed tech and advocating all the, the tech to my teachers. And I wanted to really fully implement it and embed it into the classroom. I was lucky enough to be able to move to Ranches Primary School under a, a terrific principal, Samantha Steed, who was really forward thinking, um, loved flexible seating and using ed tech within the classroom, not for ed tech's sake, but uh, really making the best impact it possibly can. Um, and now um, I've uh, landed my dream job uh, in the brand new Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai, leading on ed tech and innovation. And that's 13 years now in, uh, in, uh, in Dubai. I mean, that's quite a career. That's quite fantastic. I'm sat here just like wittering down and making notes. And I definitely want to come back and talk to you a little bit more about EdTech. Um, I love um, the little EdTech things that we have as part of the news bulletin here on Teachers Talk Radio. So we'll definitely come back and cover that a little bit more during our conversation today. Um, okay. And then Tom, over to you, please. If you could just introduce yourself as well, that would be wonderful. Yeah. So uh, my name's Thomas Sale, again, originally from the UK. Um, I graduated in 2002 and have taught and, and taught sorry in three primary schools across Blackpool up until 2017, mainly in Upper Key Stage 2. Uh, towards the end of that sort of time scale, I'm, I was leading science, computing and PE, uh, as you do. And then uh, was a, what they call an SLA for the local academy trust, so supporting other primary schools with similar to Andy really implementing technology within the within classrooms it was mainly things uh, at the time to do with using Google and Google what is now workspaces uh, Apple TV and those shiny things that appeared in around about 2010 of iPads that every school seemed to buy and quickly panic to buy and then use and then um, I moved to the UAE in 2017 uh, I'll explain the reason later, <laughs> but I came over as a curriculum specialist for the uh, UAE public school system. Uh, I had the opportunity to lead what they call design and technology for grades three to eight. Uh, you and I would call it computing. Um, originally came out leading just Dubai schools. And in 2017, the Ministry of Education took over all the Abu Dhabi schools. So I ended up with about 800 schools for to write subject for. Uh, team of five. We ended up writing all the textbooks, all the exams, all the lesson plans, delivering training to a thousand teachers across the country. It was a, an amazing experience, not something I'd ever planned for. Um, but ultimately, I missed the classroom. It sounds a bit daft. Some people say they want to be out of the classroom, but a bit like Andy, I wanted to be back in the classroom. My family moved out a year after I moved out in 2018, and they were in a school in Dubai, and then we all joined the same school in 2019 so we're all at the same school now at Kent College in Dubai and uh, loving it. That's fantastic and I think like you say both of you it's really interesting isn't it that idea of 
you know, you've left the classroom, but ultimately that's where your passion lies. And it's just wonderful to get back in there and actually be with the students as well as then supporting other staff. Um, Andy, really quickly, I just want to ask you a question, just because it was something that resonated. Um, you've obviously been in, well, two startup schools now. How have you found that experience in particular? Because that's something that personally I'm particularly loving. Three, in fact. Um, when I went to Horizon, we were a year old. Uh, Ranches was a year old, and, and um, Royal Grammar School is um, brand new in September. Um, it, it, it's very hard work, um, and I don't think anyone has gone in with the illusion that it wasn't going to be. Um, but the benefits of just seeing it grow from, from Horizon, seeing a, a small building with... Um, with a very big building next to it and you're looking at it and it's all full of dust and sand and it's not ready and then when I left the school in seven years the place was full of vibe and and so many students in fact overflowing over the uh, over the campus it's just incredible to think back that we were we had a staff room in a classroom and all that progress that was made over that time and and some Times things aren't strategic, um, they're not planned for over years and years, and you have to be a bit more reactive. But um, it's it's hugely enjoyable, but a lot of hard work. Yeah, definitely, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with you on that statement. Definitely. Um, so, Thomas, going back to you, um, you said you'd come back to this idea. So, what attracted you to international teaching initially? What brought you over to the UAE in twenty seventeen? So initially, it was just a lack of opportunity within my local authority. Um, there was a lot of the mats were taking over, a lot of the schools, and I found a lot of secondary teachers were coming into the primary leadership roles. And it was kind of a on the whim situation. A friend of a friend said there was an opportunity to teach in the Middle East. Uh, could I make it to an interview uh, in Manchester at the Radisson at a certain time? And I thought, why not? Just had a go went in with no illusion and no idea what I was putting myself forward for really. Um, and then just sort of grasped the bull by the horns really, was given the opportunity to lead the subject uh, purely from the stuff that I'd been doing. It had been seen by the people in the Middle East because it was all published online. And then just haven't looked back since. And yeah, it's just been amazing since. I think it's that thing, isn't it? You kind of just have to jump in. I was very similar. I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for. But you agree it's definitely worth doing for anybody that's listening that's not sure. Definitely. If you're if you're a teacher of three, five, ten years and you're comfortable and you're doing the same thing all the time and you're not a risk taker, then international teaching is not for you. Because when you come out to the international sector, and I've been now three years in it, plus through COVID, which is obviously a, a huge one-off for everybody, we hope, but um, what I found with international teaching is so many things change on a regular basis. You've got such amazing facilities. They are second to none. doesn't matter where you are in the world, but international teaching provides that. The parents I found are hugely supportive, generally on the whole, and the children are so passionate. Uh, I'm extremely lucky. I've got a lovely class at the minute, so I, I can't see otherwise. But the last three sort of classes I've had as well have just been phenomenal, and I've really enjoyed it, and it's made it's made me enjoy teaching again. I've not had to 
stop my teaching to spend 10 minutes dealing with a behavior situation because I've had the opportunity to really do what you pay to do and teach and work with the children. It's just been a wonderful experience so far and long may it continue. I'm totally, and I'm just, again, making loads of notes and nodding away because it is that thing, isn't it? The, the idea, the passion. And I think, you know, it comes with its own challenges. I think, and I've mentioned it on the show before, you know, the expectations that parents kind of have, because obviously they're paying for the education. But like you say, not having to stop every 10, you know, for 10 minutes or completely distract or break from learning because the behavior situation is just, well, certainly not in my experience either, anything like the same as what I encountered in the UK. No, same. And then, Andy, what about you? What attracted you over to the UAE in particular? Uh, a little bit different. I, I wanted to become a teacher from the age of 10 and um, from a family background within teaching. And uh, it was almost my passion to become a teacher. And a part of that, I always thought I would teach abroad. And it came to a point in my career, basically, that we were coming home, my wife and I sat on the sofa, both laptops out, watching EastEnders, cook some tea, go to bed. And life was quite monotonous, really. So I took the plunge, um, put my CV out there with nothing, didn't hear anything for a long, long time. It's, you do really have to play a patient game with the international teaching and then just got a phone call out of the blue and it was a, a principal in Dubai and wanted to speak to me about my experience in SLT and why did I want to move. And I didn't realise at the time it was an interview um, at that point and uh, was contacted a week later and, and offered a position of class teacher in a, in a, in a brand new school in Dubai. So we did a recce at half term before we came out. We did um, a, a, a fake shop, if you like, going around seeing the, the price of living. Um, we looked at some accommodation. We had some friends over here already, so they took us out, showed us the sites and not just the touristy sites around Dubai, but um, what their actual life was like day to day. And that certainly didn't put us off at all. And only being seven hours away from the UK is a is a huge benefit from for the UAE because you can basically get from door to door with a, under near under twenty four hours. So being away from family wasn't that bigger pull really. I think you were a lot more sensible than me. I mean, people who've listened to the show before, they know I literally just was, I just jumped in. I was like, well, I'll give it a go. It's two years. If I don't like it, I'll go back home again. But here I am staring down my fourth and signed up for my fifth, sixth, seventh and quite possibly more. So, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. And I would be saying to people, you know, do I mean, I did do a lot of online research, but I think if you can get over, then definitely do. I'm seeing a few things on Twitter at the minute of people saying they're coming over in their breaks and things to just see what their lives are going to be like. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend do your research. Absolutely. Um, OK, Thomas, I'm going to go back to you. Um, so based on your experience, first of all, and then I'll go back to Andy, um, what have been the peaks? We've mentioned a few of them already, but what are the yeah. peaks? you of teaching overseas or here in the UAE specifically? Well for me it's been just the wonderful facilities which virtually every school has, the amazing parents as, as you've mentioned as well, the pupils because obviously you're with them day to day, there's a huge difference, there's a huge mindset of 
they're here to learn, like you say, because the parents are paying the school fees and they just want to, they want to do the best that they can do. And that includes sort of the ECA setup, which is phenomenal because there seems to be such a variety for children to pick to. Uh, I have two children in the same school, mine are 15 and soon to be 13. And they seem to be doing something either every day or every morning. There's an opportunity to do something. Um, and also it's just the lifestyle. A lot of people obviously will think of Dubai as a party place, and I'm sure it probably is. But like Andy said, there's the opportunities to just really enjoy life. So when school's finished, yes, you can go to the beach or you can go to the mall or you can go to the desert or you can just sit in the garden because the weather, well, the weather will get very warm soon, but the weather is amazing most of the time. So it's just that opportunity that um, it brings to being in the Middle East. And that the last bit for me is it's just incredibly safe. I can let my children go out. I possibly won't hear for them for four or five hours and then they appear back home and they've been out with their friends and I just, I know they're safe ultimately as well. I think that's a massive one and I think it's something that really does get overlooked and people don't realise, you know, living here by myself is the safest I've ever felt ever anywhere and I've had no problems I lived in the marina for a few years which I'm sorry for everybody who doesn't know Dubai who's listening and I had no problem walking back home you know late at night not that I would ever even contemplate doing that in the UK and I think the safety element is definitely a huge draw to Dubai in particular um Andy what about you I mean we've listed quite a lot there is there anything you can add to the peaks of being over here in the UAE Hey, it, it, Tom sums it up really. It's, it's lifestyle uh, and quality of life. And we've had a child over here. The the healthcare facilities are second to none. It was un- unbelievable experience having a, a child over here. And, and just that wall-to-wall sunshine all of the time. I kind of a midlife crisis um, and started doing triathlons. And you can train all of the time over here, really. And... Um, yeah, it's just such more of a healthy lifestyle than we used to lead in the in the UK. And I think as well, going back to that point that you made before, that monotony, I remember my weekends, you know, Sunday was going to the supermarket, it was doing the work, it was, mm-hmm. you know, and it just doesn't seem to hit you the same way over here somehow. It just, everything just seems to be a little bit more pleasant, but maybe that is just because the sun is shining. Um, but balancing that out though, um, and again, I kind of touched on this at the start, you know, going home, leaving, finding that really, really challenging. Um, what kind of pitfalls have you come across, Thomas? I'll come back to you. Yeah, it's the long, longer days. So to put it into context, uh, like I said, I've got two children. So if they have morning swimming, that means I'm in school around about 6.40 because they're in the water at 6.45. Or if they've got a fixture after school, school finishes for me, uh, pre-Ramadan would be around about three o'clock but my two are senior school pupils so they could end up getting back at five o'clock so I could end up nearly doing 11 hours in school which I understand you do do sometimes in the UK but then because of we'll say housing prices because it's, I can't live next to school I have a 30 minute commute to work which in some contexts in the UK people are like 30 minutes crikey that's a long way but actually it's not too bad because it's just all motorway but you have to take that into consideration as well. So um, parents, they have this extremely high expectation of their children, which is a good thing, but also it can be very demanding as a teacher because they expect to see it. They want the, there's a huge increased expectation. Again, it's because they're paying the fees and they want the best for their children. 
Um, that's about it for me, I think. Oh, thank you very much. No, but I agree. I think, again, the parents and the high expectations. When you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, my students, we've just done the World Scholars Cup for the first time ever. And the first time they were in the competition, the parents were like, okay, so next time, you know, strategy, we need to be doing it. And I was like, we're winning. <laughs> let's just enjoy the moment. And then, then we'll talk about strategy. But let's just get the medals first. And then, and then we'll come back to it. Um, Andy, what about you? Is there anything that we've not covered there in terms of any of the pitfalls that you've kind of encountered? I think leaving family behind but that's kind of a flip side as well I think I've seen my family more out here because they want to come out on holiday <laughs> so um putting putting family up all the time I think what I used to say to my staff is you've got to be aware that you're not on a pension over here um and dealing with your own finances and getting yourself up onto your feet and and, and making sure that you're still saving um for the future I, I think a lot of teachers put it behind them when they leave the UK and um, there are no unions in the UAE not that I've ever had to, to call upon and over here but that kind of security of having your back we don't have unions over here as well and um, they're good points actually and not things that people have ever actually raised before so I think that's something that's quite important to flag there are no pensions over here so you do have to make sure that you're not going to brunch every weekend and falling into the mall both both traps I found in my first couple of years um but then also yeah the fact that there are no unions you do need to make sure obviously that you are taking care of yourself in that respect and that is something that maybe we take for granted in the UK or don't even really consider but it is definitely something that people should consider when they are thinking about moving out anyway I want to move on because I want to talk about the main reason why I invited you both onto the show today, and that is to talk about Collab UAE. Now, Collab UAE is something that I have been following from afar for quite a few years since I've been in the UAE. Um, first of all, I remember when Andy and you tweeted out that amazing list of teachers on Twitter who were all in the UAE. And it was just as I was about to go and do, and actually, I'm looking, Tom, hi, Tom. Tom, you tweeted one out as well, and it was the year that I was leading a teaching and learning session on how to use Twitter effectively to become a better practitioner. <laughs> so thank you, Tom, and thank you to Andy, because it was that summer, and that was what I led, <laughs> I led with, was in terms of the amount of connections and collaboration that you can actually have. So I don't mind, whoever wants to go for it. Um, could you please explain the ideas behind Collab UAE and how you came up with the concept, please? Well, so Andy and I are basically, we're just Twitter stalkers. We've stalked each other for years. And when I was working at the ministry and I knew I was going to go back into school and I knew I was going to into a year six classroom, I've been following this teacher, I've been rambling on about this flexible learning. And it sounded really exciting. It was amazing to watch and see all the stuff and the blogs and, and I just randomly messaged him. We'd never met. We tweeted each other a few times and we met an establishment. I won't name the establishment. And we had a, a chat and we talked about how with both of us being in the same year group, how it'd be good just to like share good practice or share some resources or share some uh, lesson plans and just simple things. And then literally as we were sat in the establishment, we just set up the hashtag collab UAE. And we said, well, let's see how it goes. Let's see how many other people start joining in and, Every time Andy and I posted something, we literally just tagged in Collab UE. And it's kind of grown because more and more people have become aware that the idea of just helping each other, collaborating, sharing, 
we got principals saying, I need a teacher, can I have UAE? And then suddenly people are replying to it. And there was a, a situation last year where there was a teacher who had got an opportunity in the Middle East, uh, ended up not getting that opportunity, explained her whole situation, hashtag collab UAE, and then following on from that, she's ended up in a school in the UAE because one of the principals had seen it and they called her for interview. And So that's just kind of the story behind it, really. I think that's... Was that it, Andy? We missed anything from that? I, I, I was surprised 13 years ago when I came across... Um, there was. It's a very competitive market, still is, but the schools just didn't talk to each other. And coming from Hampshire, where there was courses for NQTs, courses for making headway and, and all those types of things and going to school and doing moderations and everything like that, I felt that there was room for that. And I think it took a long, long time. I think met Tom when I was nine years into the UAE, um, talking how can we start talking to each other and start sharing things. And that's, uh, yeah, that's how it came about. I think it's really funny when you were saying about the um, the teacher, I remember those tweets. I remember when she was tweeting that she was coming and asking for advice and then all of a sudden she wasn't. And I mean, it's phenomenal really when you think about the impact that that has had, you know, to somebody's actual personal life, let alone all of the things that it's done in terms of being able to share good practice. Um, I do think that that's one of the things that's really interesting that you've both brought up, you know, the idea that the schools weren't actually talking to each other. Um, because like you say, we are a kind of competitive market, but actually I'm finding now that with things like Collab UAE and that conversation being open, I'm actually speaking more to practitioners in the UAE than I've ever spoken to before, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Well, absolutely, and I think there's so many things going on that um, research um, research ed happened at Dubai College and Dee Saran uh, pushing her staff to go out and do action research and sharing that with other schools. So it's not just within DC, in Dubai College, it's been shared across different schools across the UAE. And I think with the teacher meets that we're having now as well, it's, it's just expanding. I think schools are realising you can't do it on your own and you will become a better school if you share and um, use the expertise from other schools as well. Definitely. I mean, personal experience, you know, yes, I've built curriculums before. I've taught GCSE before, but I've never taught the GCSE I, I, at Excel, I GCSE before, and I've been able to collaborate now with the head of English of another school, not in the immediate locality of my school, and I've got a few days booked in there now to go and actually shadow her, see how they've mapped out their own curriculum, and actually just share those ideas. Now, that's not an opportunity I've ever had in the UK to be able to do that, and I think it's absolutely wonderful that people are actually becoming more open with each other to share you know, and then swap resources and best practice. I think it's kind of closing down those barriers a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in in sort of a year's time, wouldn't it be amazing if every year six teacher did a piece of writing and we moderated it with year seven teachers? I mean, that's just a, a potential aspect behind it. But that's the sort of thing where that professional conversation could have a huge difference because you could have, your potential primary feeder schools into your secondary schools or if you're a through school it sounds silly but many through schools don't actually talk to each other because they just there isn't the time 
and that professional conversation of doing a piece of work that then can be carried through into the secondary section or I don't know another year group for example can be incredibly powerful it gives teachers a really good understanding of what's coming up or what they're inheriting or there's such potential with it and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about plans that we've got but that's just one aspect we could look into for starters. Well, that's really resonated with me, actually, because we had our British schools overseas inspection. And I am quite fortunate that I'm good friends with the primary counterparts in my school. However, we'd never actually sat down and looked at our, it's just, it seems so simple, but we'd never actually sat down and looked at our long-term plans together. And we realized that we were mirroring up on our choice of Shakespeare play in year six and year seven. And I was like, why have we never talked about this before? This is, this is crazy. And I think that opportunity, like you're saying about getting to moderate, because that transition, and it's lovely actually talking to people with primary backgrounds, because that transition between year six and year seven is so important. And it's so vital that we get that right. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of children, a lot of children are very nervous. It just, it's just similar to the UK. I mean, I was, I've been year six most of my teaching career and children straight after, we'll call it the SATS time, they do get extremely nervous about what happens next, what's going to happen. And schools, there's no real transition where uh, your new pupils are going to spend a full day in your new school prior to going in in September, or you do a piece of work with the senior teachers where primary colleagues can then see and look at the expectations. Because I've, I've spoken to maths colleagues, and they don't realise just the level of the year six maths curriculum now makes a lot of the year seven curriculum not defunct but it makes it very mundane for pupils especially you've got high flyers now because so much of the what was the year seven curriculum has dropped down into year six and there's that conversation that needs to happen between schools between teachers and it might say it's just getting the time and the opportunity to do it and that's where we can collaborate together I think it's, yeah, again, coming back to that idea of collaborating, whether it is internally or as you are doing and trying to make it even more external. I'm going to be having a career first and I will definitely be coming to you both and I will be teaching Year 6 English um, towards the end of Term 3. But I just thought it was something really, really important to do because I actually want to go and, you know, and see how the students are used to learning because, you know, we talk about that transition and we talk about flexible learning and we talk about flexible seating plans. And as much as I would love to say, oh, yes, you know, I have flexible. I do, but not day in, day out. And I think, you know, there's definitely more room for that in my own practice. And I just think it's going to be an amazing opportunity to actually go and teach the year sixes and see how they actually like to learn rather than maybe enforcing how I think secondary students should be learning. That sounds amazing. Well, fingers crossed it comes off, like we say. It, we've got all these great plans, but time is of the essence. Um, so anyway, moving on. So we have touched upon this briefly. Um, but if people have been following um, hashtag CollabUAE, either on LinkedIn or on Twitter and Instagram, as I found last night, so thank you very much, um, I did come across quite a few new things that are up and coming. So what are the plans that you have got in place? Well, it's it's kind of growing, really. The, the ultimate thing that I think Andy and I want to offer is the opportunity for networking, collaborating, and just free CPD. Because um, we're very lucky in the fact that we managed to organise event at Expo. We had 65 delegates arrive. We had 11 speakers. And it was just nice to get the Teach Meet theme back into the Middle East. So our next event is going to be at Gems uh, Wellington Al Cahale, 
whereby we've got Andy and I have lined up 10 speakers. We haven't announced them yet, but we want to have a range of speakers who are from a range of backgrounds. So an early years teacher, we've got a couple of primary teachers, a couple of ICT computing leads. We've got one deputy, two current head teachers are going to speak and an Arabic specialist as well. So we've got a nice broad range. And that's on the 10th of June as well, isn't it? Sorry, just to... the 10th of June. I just wanted to flag it because I've seen it yeah. um, and I want to get my ticket. Um, yeah, so, it's yeah. live now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we, we obviously, we're fully aware that obviously the UAE is at quite a big uh, locality for everyone to commute. So we are looking at an Abu Dhabi venue. Uh, don't quote me on this, but we're hoping to get one done what will be this term, um, just because we know there's such a, a huge opportunity down in Abu Dhabi. And then we want to look at the opportunity of having a regular two teach meets a term, probably one in Dubai, one in Abu Dhabi, where we go to different schools, because I think if you host it in a different location, it opens opportunities. So for example, we could go to a school in Northern Dubai, whereby it's less of a commute to go to a school in southern Abu Dhabi, although that will be quite a commute for Andy and I. Um, but just trying to get people to be aware that there's so much good practice, not just in your own school sector, but maybe the school across the road or within the same emirate or the same sort of location, and just sharing and talking. And I know there are pockets of excellent good practice. For example, I know the PE teams, they have an excellent network already. Arabic are obviously extremely strong. So we'd love to maybe, we talked, Andy and I talked about doing a subject teach me where PE take over or Arabic take over or geography and history, for example, and just get everyone together in the room and have that conversation. Um, what else have we missed, Andy? What else have I not said? <laughs> Sorry. I, a, a conference, really, looking at doing a, an annual conference um, if we get the teach meets further off the ground and then um, having a, a, a kind of conference with all of the delegates there and being able to share over a weekend i think that's something that we've um we've thought about so uh we could pull the, together the expertise from within the uae have multiple workshops and uh hopefully at a fantastic location i know tom's working on one at the moment we can't say anything at the moment though <laughs> i love that i love that you can't say anything but maybe we can get when you've got some more plans you can come back on and we can get like the exclusive scoop that would be awesome yeah. do you know what it's this very, is... it's, we are very very close to having an agreement for Abu Dhabi already for this term we're just waiting for a venue confirmation um and then we are looking extensively at a, what will be a spring term conference like Andy said over two days the problem is we're both full-time teachers so this is it's kind of like a hobby if we say it that way so everything we try and organize is done in our time outside of school so the conference will take a lot of time and, and we're quite lucky that we've spoken to various people who've been involved in a conference before and they've shared their expertise or they're willing to support but we're hoping to have an announcement by september of a conference for spring term that's the plan well, that's very, very exciting. But how nice is it that we can talk about having teach meets again and face-to-face -face interactions? I mean, that in itself is just wonderful. It is, yeah. I mean, you're saying all these things and I'm like, this is just fantastic. And when you're saying getting other schools signed up, I'm telling you now you can put Safa British School down because <laughs> we're really, really keen to developing our teaching and learning and building that kind of community. And I think other schools will just bite your hands off. And like you say, it's just so nice. I mean, 
again, just having that opportunity with the World Scholars Cup, going into different schools who are just hosting and just walking around. And, you know, when I've been adjudicating the debates and they've always been luckily held in English classrooms, so I'm always having a really good look. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a really good idea for a display. Just small things like that make such a difference, don't they? Absolutely. And I think the, the atmosphere at, uh, at Expo, when the delegates walked into a room, it was like they didn't know how to do it. Um, they hadn't done that in such a long time of walking into the same room as, as other people. Yes, we would still have masks on, but the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. And, and it was all for free as well, which is, which is superb. I think that's the other incredible thing is about making it accessible because I remember um, when I was talking about moving over here and my head at the time was like, well, you're going, I'll never forget it. He said, you're going to an educational backwater. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what on earth do you mean? He said, well, you'll get no Career CV. suicide. Yeah. You'll get no yeah. professional development. And I feel like saying, oh, I wish you were listening right now because I think I've actually come across colleagues, either, you know, people like yourselves who I've never actually met, but again, I've engaged with on Twitter. Uh, but I think I've come across people who are more hungry for professional development and for making those connections over here than I ever did in the UK. Very true. Very, very true. I think my my turning point when was when my previous uh, principal introduced me to Twitter. And it was really just to get the class sharing their work and, and sharing practice on Twitter. And she said, if you want to go further, you could really expand your your teaching repertoire if you want. And I, oh, I can't cope. I'm on Facebook. I can't cope with another social media platform. And it totally revolutionized my teaching, uh, my career. And and the networking that, that goes alongside that has just been incredible. And you've made friendships out of it as well, you know, being a bit female about it. But, <laughs> you know, true. it's really nice, the friendships and international friendships, you know, like, for example, I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm collaborating with Freya Rodell. I've, and I'm going to lift your um, term, Twitter stalking. Twitter stalking, you said, Tom. I always call yeah. myself a lurker. You know, I've always just been like on the periphery. I've never really tweeted too much about my own ideas, but I'm always there saying, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much to so many other people. And Freya is one of them. And as a result, I'm now collaborating on a book about Key Stage 3. Never in a million years did I think I was ever going to be published. And you just think, you know, this is people sharing their opportunities with people that they've never actually met. And that's all because they're trying to improve education of students but again it's a global thing isn't it she's in Italy we're in the UAE you know there's people all over the world that's taking part in the project like it's phenomenal really you think of the movement when it's all come down to people interacting mainly from Twitter mm. yeah and, and this is primarily why we're trying to get the teach me we're trying to get people who might not necessarily stand up in front of other people and share their good practice but with a little nudge and a little bit of confidence we had, let's say, 11 speakers. I think nine of them had never spoken at an event before. And every single one of them at the end of it just went, I'll do that again tomorrow. And it's just a confidence in which they they shared their experience. And I was sat there, and I'm a, an old teacher, we'll say, because I've got a few years behind me. Andy's got more, but that's okay. And we both <laughs> sit there, and we're like, oh, yeah. I never thought of doing it like that. And it was just such a simple thing. And then... A couple of the, we had two head teachers and one spoke passionately about the science of learning 
and he actually made it almost, I would say, childlike, so that even everybody could understand it. And we had another principal who was passionate about the opportunities that are given to his staff through the CPD that he offers. And it was just, it just a lot of people went, oh, I could go and work there tomorrow because he was just so passionate. And that's the opportunity of that collaboration and that discussion and the whole just teach me theme behind it, really. And I think, again, like you say, all it's going to do is benefit students in classrooms all over because we're going to take those ideas back. I mean, it was really interesting. My head teacher and I, we were interviewing candidates and we employed a girl and her lesson plan afterwards, I said, oh, my goodness me. And she's been teaching two years during COVID and her lesson planning. And it was something so simple, but it just made so much sense. I thought, why? I've been teaching 10 years. I've never thought about doing something so small like that before to do with a learning journey. And I thought, gosh, that's amazing. And that was just through an interview. So I think the idea of getting people together and the fact that you are really pushing it and the fact that you're doing it in your free time is absolutely so commendable because it's just so supportive, ultimately, for the children that are in front of us every single day. Yeah, we run about, again, the Teach Me theme. We just want something that's had impact whether it's a book, a resource, an app, uh, a lesson you've taught, uh, a leadership strategy, whatever it is, something that anybody could take away and just try, implement and have a go at in the classroom. Because the, the other thing you have to be aware of is it what works in one setting isn't necessarily always going to work in another setting, but you don't know unless you have a go, if that makes sense. I completely agree. And like you say, it's that idea of having those takeaways as well, things that you can actually go away and implement within the next couple of days in your own classroom, rather than having to go away and read and read and read for ages. It's, it's there for you to try and have a go with. And it's also nice to hear other people's experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just take a little pause here. We're going to have a take, a pause, and I'm going to play the adverts and the news once more. And then I will be back with Andy Price and Thomas Sale to continue our conversation about collaboration and hashtag collab UAE and all of the things in between. So thank you so much for joining 